Hello, good morning, everybody. I'm on, I'm rocking. His mercies are new every morning, praise God. I think I say that every morning because it is true. It is true. Give me a second here. It, it has been a while since I've been up here. Um, I, was, I was just talking with Stan very brie- briefly um, about last time I did speak or share with the church. And I believe, as, as hard as I um, have to remember this day, it was the last time I spoke, I believe, was January of last year, so almost a year ago. Um, and that's not to say anything. The reason why I say that is it was the weekend. I love basketball. Let's just say that first. I'm like a big basketball guy. I Soccer by trade, uh, but I like my basketball. Um, this has nothing to do with my sermon. Um, but I was just kind of thinking about when was the last time I spoke? But anyways, last time I spoke was uh, the day that Kobe Bryant died. And Kobe Bryant's like, he's my favorite basketball player. Um, sure, he had his, some people like, oh, Kobe Bryant, he did this, he did that. I mean, I did that, he did that, you did that, we did that. I mean, none of us are, are, are perfect in any way. Uh, but yeah, he was by far my favorite. Anyways, so I finished my, my, my message um, that Sunday, and my phone's like blowing up with all these text messages. I remember my sister saying, did you see what happened to Kobe? And I'm like, oh, it's like good news. But in actuality, he, as most of you may know, he died, he died and his daughter died and others, um, part of their basketball club passed away in a, in a tragic, tragic um, airplane. So I'm still, even though I don't know the guy, I still mourn, it's so weird. So weird. Sport athletes are like superheroes to me. They just do things that I wish I could do some days. Um, but I know I know a lot of people like Captain America and Wolverine and, and Superman and Spider-Man. I'm like, athletes are my superheroes. So anyways, just thinking about that. But yes, I'm here. I get to share with you this morning. Um, even before I get going, I just wanted to say... Um, just to say thank you um, on behalf of the leadership team. I know it's been said multiple times, um, but we are obviously going through a very difficult time in the world. Um, and I know individually, a lot of people are going through tough times. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you for sticking with us. Um, I know it's easy just to just mail it in and, you know, forget God, forget church, forget everything, but like bless you. Uh, for for sticking with us um, as, as a as a church as a people, um, I know there's many questions of well why aren't we meeting and why doesn't it look like this why doesn't it look like that um, and just so you know um, our eldership team um, is very special. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the young buck, and my, and my wife and I are the young bucks of, of, the, elder, of, of the eldership team, but um, your elders love you, your elders care for you, and your elders are for you. Um, so in saying that, if you have any prayer requests, like please 
let one of the elders know, send a message to Pastor Randy, and we are more than happy to pray for you uh, and to, you know, come alongside of you in any way. Uh, we're, we're trying to meet quite regularly. Obviously, it's kind of hard with, like, life, um, but we're, we're meeting regularly. So, yeah, if there's anything you want to, we want us to pray for, um, pl- please bring that forward. And, and on the flip side, on the reverse, like, please pray for us as well. Um, as we obviously go week to week and um, as restrictions are in and we need to make decisions on what we do next, um, pre- just continue to pray that we will hear God's voice and we will be united and, and we will do everything out of love and out of respect and out of just, yeah, honoring uh, one another, honoring our government because uh, we need to do that um, and, yeah, honoring what God has in store for us. So, Um, Again, just thank you. Thank you for that. Now to the word. So this word, um, this is a word that's working on my own heart. Definitely don't have it figured out, uh, but I'm in the application uh, side of things with this word. So I hope um, as I am sharing this word with you, uh, I hope not doing a lot of teaching, just sharing my own heart with you guys, that you are able to like, hey, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm, I'm there as well. So the scripture we're going to be reading out of um, is from James 5, 7 to 11. Um, I will read the scripture after. We're, we're going to move toward that eventually. Uh, but one thing I've learned from, you know, Pastor Randy, Pastor Sam, uh, from individual, you know what, as I say Pastor Sam, because he's still my pastor, Um, I know we're in a safe place, but just pray for him. Pray for his family. Just because he's a brother in Christ, not because of you may think this, that, or other about him or about his family or about you know anyone in that regard. But um, just as I'm reading scripture, it's like, man, we're just supposed to love each other because we are Christians. Um, And I mean, I can go on a rant about anyone in that way. Um, But what I do know about Sam, who is my my brother, is that he, he loves... He he loves the Lord. And he's going through a hard time and it's not my place to share any any of that. But um, yeah, just please pray if you can. Um, I know it would do wonders for him to know that people are, are behind him. Obviously, it's a very tough time. Just he's being restricted. I guess we're getting a sense of what restriction means. Um, but he's restricted from coming to a place where it's like his, his home. It's the church. He, he loves being at the front here and, and sharing God's love with others. But yeah, I, I, again, it just, it just, this came to me as I was just preparing. Just, we kind of forget. And if there's other people um, that are not coming to church, I know Sam's situation is a different type of situation, but if there's other people that you know should be at church, that you know love being around the people of God. And 
pray for them. Um, I mean, we have this group on, on Sunday nights. Remnant Recovery is a, is a great opportunity uh, for you just to be around others. So, um, yeah, again, Sam's my brother, so I'm always going to have a bit of more towards him than others. Um, but, um, yeah, please pray if, if you can, if it comes across your mind, um, that God will just continue to work on his heart uh, and God will make a way, because he always makes a way, as we just sang through worship. Anyways, so, um, like I said, we're going to be reading from James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11, and one thing I've learned from, from my pastors, uh, Pastor Christine as well, is you read things in context. You don't just read it and say, okay, well, that's that. So I've learned that when you read, when I read chapter 5, verses 7 to 11, I should read what's happening after it and also what's happening before it because that's when things can be taken out of context when you just kind of see that one line. It's like, oh, well, that means that, so I'm going to run with that. Um, so that's a little preaching tip if you ever are preaching to anyone, a church, uh, in, a, in, a, in a small group. It's really good to know context. So as I read chapter 5, verses 7 to 11, I started to read. I went backwards, and I'm like, hey, might as well just read the full uh, book, because it's not very long. And I just want to share with you some verses that stuck out with me uh, within the book of James that really, uh, I hope, like, was challenging to me, uh, and I know will be encouragement to you as well. So it says in verse, sorry, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So again, the test that we are going through, not just globally, but individually, it's producing something in us. It's the faith. Our faith is being tested to make us perfect. In verse 5 of that same chapter 1, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them, given to him. And if you skip a couple chapters, and I'm just kind of going through it, what I found very interesting is in uh, chapter 3, verses uh, 17 and 18, it talks about this wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he'll give it generously. Now, one of our couples in our church, and I'm not going to name names, um, they want, they need wisdom. They've brought someone into their home and they asked for wisdom. And I couldn't find the scripture when I was with them, but this is what you are asking for when you ask for wisdom. Verse 17 of chapter three, but the wisdom from above is first pure. So when you're asking for wisdom, you're asking for purity, then peaceable. So you're asking for peace when you ask for wisdom. Uh, you're asking for gentleness. You're open to reason full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So when you're asking for wisdom, that's what you're asking. You're not asking for the right answer. You're asking for direction from God, but it's also, and I didn't know this, you're actually open to reason, right? You're, you're able to have that conversation with someone that may not have the same mindset or lens as you. You're open to reason. You're full of mercy and good fruits. And it says in uh, chapter eight, uh, verse 18, 
And also part of that, and a harvest of righteousness is sown by peace by those who make peace. So one thing I know about my pastor Andy, and this is first thing that has always stuck out to me, is that he's a man of peace. And I've tried to be that type of man of God as well. But it says here, if you sow peace, you're going to harvest righteousness. So there, there's good about bringing peace to situations. And it says uh, another verse that stu- stuck out to me in uh, chapter 1, verse 12, is blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which is God has promised to those who love him. So if we stay steadfast in whatever we're going through, big or small, we will receive something very special, very special, a crown of life. I think one thing that I tend to forget at times is that, hey, when I pass away, when I move on, I'm actually going to heaven. And heaven's a good place. So when we are going through our our trials, our seasons well, we're actually getting ourselves ready for heaven because when I go to heaven, hopefully I got a couple crowns that I can uh, put, put on my head and, and enjoy up there with all of the ones that are in heaven right now. In chapter 3, I got two more before I get into uh, chapter 5. It says, and this is one for this time and this season, I believe. It says in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it's talking about our tongue, our like physical tongue. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So isn't that so true? Like, literally, how, how long ago? Maybe 15 minutes ago, we were praising God, you know, as we should be. And maybe, maybe six o'clock tonight, if you turn on the news, if that's when you watch the news, or if you go on your, on your phone and you don't see something that you um, agree with, it's, why is it this way? Or, Are you kidding me? That's my prime minister, this, that, and the other. But it's interesting that we have to remind ourselves, like our tongue has a lot of power, has a lot of power. So we have the ability to curse but we have the ability to bless. So let's be a people that bless. No matter the situation, let's bless. And lastly, in chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to be humbled by God. But if we go low, as low, as low as we can, he will exalt us. Now to what I have for you today. So I'm going to read chapter 5, verses 7 to 11 from James. So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, please, uh, please go there. So then starting in chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. And you find that kind of interesting that our worship was all about the rains. So good. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 
As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So we're just going to start with the first two words in verse 7. It says, be patient. Really simple. Right? Simple, Simple to say, not so easy to do. So the dictionary definition, which I found very interesting as, as I was preparing for today. So it's the dictionary definition, it says bearing or enduring provocation or enduring being provoked, right? So enduring being the provocation, enduring or bearing annoyance, misfortune, delay, hardship or pain, and it says etc., Okay, so that's patience. You're going through that stuff. You're enduring it. You're not giving up. You're not giving in. You just keep moving forward. You got your, your head, your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus. And it's, so you do those things, but it says with fortitude. Fortitude means courageous strength and calm and without complaint, anger, or the like. So it's a pretty heavy, loaded definition for one word, patient. I'm going to say it one more time. Bearing provocation, annoyance, misfortune, delay, hardship, pain, etc. with fortitude and calm and without complaint, anger, or the like. And in the Greek, the definition, it's to exhibit internal and external control in difficult circumstances and long-suffering. So that's what it is to be patient. It's to be steadfast, it's to endure, that whatever's coming our way, we actually remain calm, without complaint, without anger. Now that's really hard to do, very hard to do. And what's the opposite of patience? I just kind of threw some things together, I might be off, but it's being unwilling, you get angry quite easy, you're unpatient. You're kind of wild, not wild, wild, but you're wild. I've, I'm guilty of that. You're troubled, you're hostile, right? It's just the complete opposite. So, I mean, just think of, take inventory of your own life and like, where do you stand? Are you on the more patient side where you, you're calm when things don't go your way? Or is there a bit more anger when things are not going in, in your direction? And hey, I, I will be humble and say, out of the two, I'm kind of going this way more than to what we're being called to do. But this is why we have the scriptures, to, to look at us, to, to, to change us. So I have a little story, because stories, I believe, they stick with people. For whatever reason, a good story just sticks with people. It's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, but uh, part of my daily routine of, of life is taking my daughter, Keziah, to to school, and she's in grade two, and she's in the back there, and she's doing fantastic. Very proud of you, Kez. <laughs> um, but part of the time, we, we just, I drive her, we talk, we pray, we pray for her teachers, we pray for her school, we pray for her classmates, we pray for her girls that may not always be so nice to her, but then at the end of the day, sometimes it's, <gasps> Dada, 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 she talked to me, she talked to me. 
And it's like, because we prayed for her, not that we prayed that she would talk to you, but we continue to pray that God just speaks and God continues to work on, on their hearts because they're all his children. So there's been such wonderful times. I'm learning to be a, a good dad. Some days I suck, but other days, <laughs> other days I, I feel like I'm doing a good job. Um, but so that's, again, I do that every Monday to Friday unless she doesn't have school some days or if I have an appointment and uh, Amanda needs to take her or, or grandma on, on, on the one occasion in the mornings. Um, but this week, Ezra wanted to come. So it's like, sure, why not? I had my hat on, so he likes to, he's in that stage where he likes to copy me in all the good ways. So if he sees my hat on, he's going to run upstairs, he's going to find his hat, he puts it on, and Dada, look! He's like, nice, buddy, we're going to do it together. So he wanted to go, go to school, right? So we went to school, we prayed together, we dropped Kazai off to school, but on the way to school, there was this huge accident, and I saw it from a, like a far distance as we're going down uh, 64th, if you know what that is, in, in Cloverdale, uh, just down the hill through like the Bowles farm area. And I could see that there was an accident. So I'm like, okay, in my mind, I didn't tell Keziah. I'm like, Keziah, we might be late, but we weren't late because if I tell her she's late, if you know my daughter, it's going to be a, a, long, a long ride. So I kept, kept, kept it calm. Um, but yeah, saw the accident from afar, got her to school on time. Now I'm just with Ezra. And I say, hey, Ezra, buddy, we're going to have to go another way today. And he doesn't know it. I know, I know Surrey pretty well. I know where I live. Uh, but obviously Ezra, he's only four years old. He doesn't really know uh, where we're going. He knows this is where I started and this is where we're going. And he kind of knows the normal uh, journey that we take. But I said, Ezra, we got to go another way. There's been an accident. Even though the way we normally go will take like 10 minutes tops, Ezra, if we go back the same way we did before, we're going to be in traffic for a long, long time. He didn't understand that. He's like, why? No, I want to go home. I want to go the way we just went. And I was driving him, obviously dad, and I'm trying to, hey, Ezra, how are you doing? He's like, why are we going this way? Daddy, where are we going? I don't know where we are. Just a bunch of those questions, just constant, as a four-year-old should be. Just constantly, why, why? Daddy, where are we right now? Like, Ezra, we're going home. Don't worry about that. We're going home. I got you. I love you. You just got to trust me that I love you and that we will get home in one piece and we'll be good. Now, I just wrote a couple notes because I don't want to butcher this at all but I'm just going to read what I wrote. I said, I had, to take, I had to take a way that I knew would get us home safely, but to Ezra, I was taking him a new way. The Lord is doing a new thing in each of us. He's taking us places where we haven't been before. The way he's taking us from our lens doesn't make much sense at all or at times, maybe not at all, but at times. But he wants us to trust him because he knows the way. So that's what the Lord showed me. I was like, pretty cool, hey? Pretty cool. So please, yeah, if you hear that, because people like stories, you're going to remember that for a while because that's just how our, our minds go. Now it says, okay, back to James chapter 5. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. 
Um, now, I did a, a bit of research. The book of James was written in the 40s. Not 1940s, not 1840s, not 1740s, but like literally 40s. And if you read the scripture again, it says, be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. So this was written in the 40s. So if I don't know anything about Jesus, and I don't want anything about Christianity, and if I'm like a full-on skeptic of God, it's like, why in the world? Like, did he actually come? Is he actually like alive? Is he real? Because I... I would assume someone would ask that question. But I'm going to read something to you and that you can share with others that I feel like would bring a bit of, oh, okay. It says in Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. He said, it says, Jesus, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs. Okay, so he died on the cross, as we know. He, he rose again, and he's back on the earth. So this is the conversation he's having with these people appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So again, Jesus is fresh, fresh out of the ground. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, as I ask and many of us ask, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And this is the most important part. He said to them, and he says to us this day, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So, Going back to James, it says, until the coming of the Lord. So one thing we know, because God's word is full of truth, there's no lie in there, is that he's coming. We just don't know when. But he's coming. That's what we can hold on to. So there's, there's a way that I look at it. Either he's coming and he saves the day, because he's our hero, or we're going to be with him. So either way, we win. It's just not in our own timing. Okay, God, he determines. He's the one, as it says again, who times and he has fixed it by his own authority. His, the times and seasons are fixed by his, own, his authority. So on top of that, just in terms of that scripture, he didn't leave the disciples and he doesn't leave us just, okay, well, I'll be back eventually, as, we, as most of us know. He left us with the Holy Spirit. So even though we don't see God in the natural face-to-face, God is with us. And I think, I mean, I don't have it figured out, but being able to actually know that the Holy Spirit goes before us in whatever we're doing. I believe like there's maybe there needs to be a teaching on that eventually because he, like, he wouldn't leave and give us something less. Like, that's not who God is. So it's having just the understanding of, okay, we don't see him, but we definitely feel him, and he's with us. I, just, I, need, I need to learn more of that. It says in 2 Peter uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, 
as some count slowness, but his patience, but is patient toward you, toward us, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. So as much as James is asking us to be patient, before, that, before we have been patient, God continues, the Lord continues to be patient with us. It says, uh, so we're going to keep going on here. Hopefully I'm not uh, boring you yet. Okay. It says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient, again, about it until the, it receives the early and late rains. So the farmer waits for the precious fruit. Now, I don't know a lot about farmers. Just studied what I could. I'm sure there's people listening here and people listening on, or watching online uh, that can give more insight to being a farmer. But it says the farmer waits for the fruit. Well, the farmer just doesn't wait for the fruit. The farmer has to do the work, right, before he can wait for the fruit. So there, there's work involved. There's obviously seeds that are being planted. And after he plants or after she plants the seed, he's probably doing many other things. So in terms of a spiritual component to that, man, we're sowing seeds like no other. We're sowing seeds for our family. We're sowing seeds for our, our government. We're sowing seeds for our world. And we sow it, and then what? Right? We can either just kind of do this, but no, like as a farmer, um, he's doing uh, other things as well. I was on YouTube just trying to figure, figure this all out, and there was a farmer who, who, who wakes up at 7 a.m. in the morning because he knew the rain's coming. He knew the rain's coming. So he's planting, 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 planting. And he went to bed at 1 a.m. the next day. So like a full, like not just a full day's work. So 7 a.m. on a Monday and he finished work Tuesday, 1 a.m. That's a full day's work because he knew. He knew because the forecast said, or again, he was trusting in the forecast but we get to trust in God. He knew the rain was going to come. So he was planting, 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 planting because he was going to get the harvest. I wish we're, we're doing a great job with our technical or like our tech group in the back. Um, David, he has been like a, a wonderful addition to the team back there. David, thank you so much for all that you're doing. Um, but the next thing we want to do, we want to be able to get our our video, like if I wanted a clip, sorry, I'm just talking out loud. I didn't tell David this just yet. I'm like, I want to ask him the question later. It's like, how can I get the video of a clip I want to show on the screen for the live stream, but for people to see here? You may not be following me, but because there's a video clip I saw on YouTube that I wanted to show you guys, but it just wouldn't do it justice. So there's this farmer in Australia, and he's talking about the drought. So he's a farmer. He said, this is the third year of drought, which normally we only have a drought for perhaps a year. So the rain hasn't come as it normally comes. And his daughter says, there's lots of stress because it's slower, it's harder. So you have to live through it for a longer time. And Angus Potty, the, the farmer says, the drought, you can't really get away from it. And there's constant stress of it, you know, being in the middle of it. You wonder why God doesn't answer those prayers. And this is the mindset from a farmer. But he has a plan for us and he will send the rain. But we just got to be patient and just depend on him for provision. So if we look at it, we plant, we plant, we plant. 
But when it comes down to it, it's about the reign of God. And it's not just the physical, like the rain that's going on outside, like no other. But the reign of God is God's promises, like coming to fruition. What he said is going to come. So the rain is crucial to grow what we have sowed. So I'm not going to say like, oh, well, go pray for rain. Well, yes, pray for rain. But you know what I mean in, in the right terms. It says in Deuteronomy 11, verses 17, 14 to 7, it says, if... The, the word if is a big word, meaning if you do it, you get this. If you don't do it, you don't get it. If you will indeed obey my commandments to love the Lord your God, serve him with all your heart and soul, he will give you the rain of your land in season, the early and later rain. It says in Leviticus 26 verse 4, If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. So there's a lot about, yeah, there's having faith. There's, and then there's doing the work. It says, if you love him, if you love others, and I know that can be the hardest thing to do at times, but this is a promise I believe that I hold on to. If you serve him with all your heart and soul, sometimes feels impossible if we're actually doing it properly, he will, he will give us the rain. He will give us what we've been asking for as long as it's in, in line with him. I'm not going to ask for a Lamborghini because I don't, I don't need it. Maybe one day I might ask for one, but I don't think God wants to give me a Lamborghini, but in, you know what I mean. Like there's things that we ask for that God will rain on. There's other things that he may not rain on, but there's a purpose and there's a reason for it, because he has something better, better for you. So it says, you also, verse 8, we're getting there. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So just as the farmer waits patiently for the rain to come after he or she has sowed the seed, we are called to be patient just like the farmer. It says, establish your hearts or strengthen your heart. And that is a posture James is calling us to because the Lord is near. It says in Romans 13, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we were first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So again, it says the Lord is at hand. In, in essence, that means the Lord is near. He's coming. And in Romans, it says, wake up. Stop sleeping. Stop doing the things that leads to darkness or is darkness. But wake up and follow the armor or put on the armor of light. Don't just put it on, but be the armor of light to the people around you. So he communicates that the patient waiting is to be done not in weakness or defeat, but in strength and in action. This makes patience much more than passive waiting for the time to pass, but it's an action. So here is the actions James is giving us or the application he's doing to call us to be actively, patiently waiting for the Lord to come. Doesn't make much sense to me when you read it, but it says, do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged 
behold, the judge is standing at the door. Right? So as we wait for God to reign on the souls we are seating, what we're supposed to do in the meantime, as we wait for God to come, is to not grumble against one another. So I'm not going to go into a rant about politics, but it is very easy. Well, I think, honestly, there's, there's been a culture of criticism that's just rose up, right? It's easy to point the finger and say, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And like, like it's because it's easy, right? It's easy. It's super easy to do it. Um, but the verse is not saying, oh, sorry, I'm just going to stay there, especially how everything are going. Yeah, it's just, it's easy to criticize, but grumbling and criticism is not what we're supposed to be doing. And that, obviously, in a worldly uh, point of view, but we're not supposed to grumble and complain amongst each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it's saying here. Now, there's criticism, and then there's kind of godly, well, godly judgment. Criticism just says, this girl or boy or female or, or male, do this, 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 and we just leave them to it. Judgment, a godly judgment is way better. So this verse is not saying we are ruling out legitimate use of discernment of, of, or church discipline, but it's rather admonishing the listeners to discontinue their tendency to criticize and find fault with others. Now, here's another story for you. It's not, not as long. So I have a day job. Um, I work, it's called Hollyburn Family Services. Um, and I'm currently a supervisor. So I supervise a, a therapeutic home where if two clients have autism, that's where they live. And I have a staff team that I work with that give them, you know, around the clock, 24 hour care. Now, my personality, I mean, I've played sports all my life. Um, I always want to do more. I want to get better, right? I want to make that team. I want to continue to push to be the, the, the best in, in whatever I do. So there was an opening for a management position. So I said, you know what? I, my, my resume with this agency is strong. Like I've turned a program around and now they sent me to this new program and I've turned it around. Like night and day, okay, I've, I've, just, I've done a great job by the grace of God because God has given me wisdom in it. So I applied for this job. And the job was I had uh, at the office, I had four people who are in essence deciding if I get this job or not. So I had four people, they were the judges, right? And I, like, I nailed the interview. Like, I know I did. Like, I did everything in my power. I said, I couldn't have left. I made a PowerPoint, you know, I just, I gave it all I had. And I was like, this is the best interview that I've given to anyone. Because I just, I left it on, all on the floor there. So I didn't get the job. And I was like, what? That doesn't make like any sense. And it's not a prideful thing, meaning I'm the best. But like my, again, my resume within the company, it's like no one has done what I've done. And they chose to go with someone that came from back east, which is totally fine. But where I've had a hard time since then is they never gave me any type of feedback. They just said, you're not getting it, done. And I felt super empty and just kind of like, okay, now what? I just go back to my job 
And since I've come back from that interview, I've just like kind of, hmm, just kind of going to go through the motions, do the minimum, and just get out. And I kind of got a little bit of trouble for that, not just a, a good talking to. So in, in that regard, and I'm just, I'm talking from both lenses. So you're either the one doing the judging, and in a godly judgment, we're supposed to cor- correct, we're supposed to come a- around and love one another. But on the flip side, there's been times for you that you're the one being judged and it's you're this, you're that, and then it's just left there and you're just like, what do I do, right? And you can almost take on the mentality of being a victim. And that's the kind of mentality I've had for the last little bit. But our beloved Pastor Randy this morning comes talking to me and he always has something very smart to say. He says, well, you know, and he was asking me about like your HR and this and that. And he said, you know what, Stefan, I think you should really go talk to uh, your director and just like let her know like who you are as a person and like just share with her like who you are. I'm just like, you are so right, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But I think like it's so important to kind of, okay, there's two ways you can go. You can be a victim And you can say, well, they don't like me, but you can come back and say, well, can you help me? Can you show me where I'm missing something? Because the whole like, oh, it's you, it's you, or it's them, it's them, that will just be gone with. And we're going to get to the table. Now, if you come to them and then they don't give you anything, then you can, you know, bring others into the conversation. But we got to stop taking sides and just say, okay, I've made a mistake. Or, okay, help me. Humble ourselves to go as low as we can. So I challenge you, if you don't want to judge rightly, if you just want to criticize, stop criticizing. This is a challenge. Stop criticizing and start praying. Keep those comments to yourself because as we read in the scripture before, our tongue has a lot of power. Our tongue can bring life or our tongue unfortunately can divide. And we don't want to be people that divide. We want to be a people that will bring unity. We want to be a people that bring Jesus into the conversation. So as we wait patiently for the Lord, um, as we wait patiently for the Lord to return or for God to send his reign, his faithfulness, we are called to be united with one another. And I'm, just, I'm always reminded of the Lord's prayer. And something has just stuck with me as we've kind of dive more into liturgy. It says, um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Like it's such a like, oh, geez. Like God, forgive me for this, but I can't forgive the guy beside me or the, or the girl beside me. Like how, how important it is to go low and to always know that God forgave us first and that we have no right to kind of keep someone as much as sometimes we feel like we should and it's like the right thing to do, but it's not ever because God forgave us first of all the sin, the sin that people know and the sin that no one knows about, but only you and God know about. He has forgiven you. Well, he will forgive you if you give it to him, if you go to him. So that's my little call to anyone who's hearing this that does not know Jesus. Like if there is stuff that, because sin weighs you down, end of the day, sin will weigh you down. And there's an opportunity to give that sin, to give that burden, to give that stronghold to your life to 
the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And this is a day where you can do it. We're getting there. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So again, endurance, steadfastness. Verse 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Everyone, let us try and do, let us do good, not try, let us do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So especially your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to walk in unity. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. We, we, we rub each other the wrong way sometimes. But we need to get over ourselves and remember that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians, you guys, you've probably heard this at a, at a wedding, but apparently this is more to do with a brotherly, a sister uh, relationship. Love is patient. Love is patient. God is love. God is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, and endures in all things. And it says, going back to James, it says the judge is standing at the door. Now, when, you, when I read that, I'm like, uh-oh, the security guard's here, or the guy that I don't want me want watching is here. But then I have to remember that it's God the Father that's part of it, and God loves us. And the, the scripture that's connected to um, ju- the judges standing at the door is actually found in Revelation 3 uh, with the church of Laodicea. Now, if you, if you know the churches, we did a, a study in this a while ago at our church, but it talks about Laodicea. And Laodicea was the lukewarm church, meaning they were neither hot or cold. So Jesus said, I will spit you out of your mouth. Like you were just like, Ugh. it's like drinking, I don't know. Some people like warm milk. I don't like warm milk. I like it hot or cold. But I don't like lukewarm I don't know, think about the food or whatever that just doesn't taste good or feel good in your mouth. That's how he felt in the moment about the church. But he says in that script or it's that, that letter to that church, those whom I love, I repro- reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, so this is Jesus. This is God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. So the judge standing at the door is not coming as a judge as we see it, but he's actually wanting to be a part of it. So if you are struggling with your brother or sister, he's actually wanting being a part of that conversation. So I, I encourage you, if you are struggling with someone, Invite God into the situation because he is a loving God that he wants, he, he wants to open the door. He wants to eat with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. When some of the best conversations I've had or you've had uh, with people are, are over food, right? That's like the best type of fellowship, right? So he wants to eat with us. He wants to be with us. So that is the first way we're supposed to be patient till the Lord comes, till he reigns on the earth in, in every way, is to be loving 
to not grumble, to not criticize, but to be one that brings unity, the ones that uses our tongue for good and not to lash out. And I, again, it's, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it, but this is what we're being challenged with. It's what I'm being challenged with. So lastly, as I'm closing here, it says in verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So I kind of titled this last little bit. The last part, what we're, we're supposed to do as we, as we wait patiently for the Lord is we're supposed to look to others, Right? But also, I believe we're supposed to inspire others. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So we're supposed to look to others that have gone before us in the Bible, like Joseph. These are the types I, I look to quite frequently. I look to Abraham. I look to Gideon. I look to David. I look to Samuel. I look to Esther. And as we read in verse 11 of James, he mentions Job. And I look to Job quite a bit. And he remains steadfast under trial. So the people that I mentioned from the Bible, they had three things in common as we read their stories. Suffering entered their life, right? It happened. But they responded in perseverance. They responded in steadfastness. They responded in endurance. Yes, they complained. Yes, there was moments of, what are you doing? But their heart was, I'm sticking to what I know and that is to trust God. And lastly, the third thing that they all have in common is blessings came from the Lord who is full of compassion and mercy. So we're supposed to look to others in the Bible, but I also would like to add, why can't we be ones to inspire? We all are going through stuff individually. Everyone I know are, is going through hard things, hard, hard things. But what do we have in common with the same prophets that went before us? We all have suffered or are suffering as they suffered, but now this is where like it's the, we're either going to go one way or the other. We all have the opportunity to respond in perseverance and actively wait patiently while knowing that the God we serve is full of compassion and mercy. So as I, again, close, close, I think it's, it's easy, again, to say, why me, God? Right? Super simple. Why me, God? And for some people, it's a huge, why me, God? Okay, I, I'm, I'm this age and I still am not married. Or why me, God? I still don't have the job I've desired? Or why me, God, I still am waiting for this healing? Like that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm going through. That's what, it's just part of life. Why, did I, why God, am I working the same job at the same hour of the day? Why me? Why not someone else? Give it, I don't want it anymore. But, Yes, there should be a why, but as you go through life, you can inspire others by how you go about your business. So it's not, thank you, Lord, for this blessing. That's not a blessing. 
but it's, I'm going to go through this well, because so that next person that's going to go through it will be able to look to me and look to others and say, you can do this because God is with me. God is, is with you. I'm a living testimony of God's steadfast love. So that's, that's my challenge for you guys today. You know, if you listen to this uh, on the podcast at a later date, like we, we have to be patient. Church, we have to be patient. And, and I know it's so easy just to get caught in, in, in president land and prime minister land and world land. And those things matter. I'm definitely not saying that they don't matter because, you know, I'm watching things and it's, it's so disheartening of what's being passed. So disheartening. But I, I read in the scripture that I wish I, I should have wrote it down. But God, at the end of the day, he appoints who's in leadership. And please, yeah, please ask me if you, if you want to find the scripture, I'll find it for you. I should have wrote it down. But he will put godly people in leadership and he'll put other people in leadership that will lead to judgment. Like I remember it said something along ju- judgment. But end of the day, like through this time, globally, we got to be patient. But as you're going through your own life, because end of the day, like your life matters, we have to be patient. And in those times where we wait for God to reign on what we have sown over the years and years and years. We must love one another, and we must be ones that look to others that have done this well, and be ones that inspire others to do this well as well. So I'm just going to close with this prayer, and you're going to come to the front, yeah. So God, I thank you that you are a God that gives good gifts because you are full of compassion and mercy. And Father, I thank you that we can be patient in suffering and consider trials that we're going through pure joy because of the assurance that you are wonderfully made for us, that you you have gifts for us, that even though we go through hardships, that even though we go through time that we never even thought we would go through, Lord, you are with us and that you will bless us. And Lord, I pray as we have sang this morning, as it was spoken from the pulpit, Lord, that you will send your rain, that you will send your rain, and, and, and we will just wait for you. We will wait for you, and we will wait for you because we know that you love us, you're for us, and you have a plan in store for us. So Jesus, I, I just pray that any words that I spoke this morning, Lord, that whatever that was not of you, Lord, that it would just get swept away. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you will just work on hearts that, Lord, that we take this word seriously, that we be patient, that we love, and that we be inspired by your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. That is so good. Well done, Stefan. <laughs> um, Stefan is a soccer player, and, and uh, he's good. Detailed athletics is, uh, uh, get, on, get on Facebook and look at some of the drills he does. <laughs> uh, he's my hero. He can do things that I never dreamed of. Um, 
I'm from the old school, and I, I, I find myself preaching that way sometimes. Uh, when I played hockey, I played defense. And it was essentially you were right or left. If the puck went into the right corner, you're right defenseman, you went after it. Otherwise, you're in front of the net and, and just make sure that no one else gets there. Short of murder, make sure they do not stand in front of the net. Uh, and, and I could handle that. <laughs> The idea was I was told what to do, and I did it. But you can't do that anymore. <laughs> this generation, these people now want to know why. Every single uh, drill, every single action has to have a why component to it. <laughs> what is it that we're doing that for? What will that achieve in the long run? How can I make that a part of my game or my life. So, so now a defenseman knows way more than I ever did. But I see Stefan preaching that way. He just naturally preaches the why. Naturally tells us why we need to do things and the value of it. And I so appreciate that. It's a lot of work uh, and, and it's a lot of contemplation. And, uh, but well done. Well done. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope it is making a difference for you.